See, sometimes society says no before we even get to ask the question. Sometimes it's a no because of our gender. But just because that's out how it has always been, that does not mean that's how it has to stay. You may have endured refusal on your jobs or refusal of respect or refusal for an equal salary, but God has done and is doing a new thing. You don't have to stay in the gender box that other people put you in. If God has placed a vision in you, if God has placed gifts in you, then you stay outside of the box and you color outside of the line. Don't let what people say keep you from your inheritance. Don't let what people say keep you from living the life that God has designed. Don't let what society says you shouldn't be able to do keep you from your blessing. Bless God. The first thing, I want to know if it's okay for me to relax and just be caring. Is that okay? Because I want you to relax too. I want you to support me like you supported the soloist, because I was like, that's the clap I want right now. I am honored to be here to celebrate Women's Day with you. I want to veer just a little bit. I uh, told Dr. Nicole, thank you to Dr. Nicole for uh, bearing with me and all of who I am. Uh, outside of the pulpit, amen, just, yeah. God's anointing does this out there, you know, it just, uh, it's a hope and a prayer like everybody else. <laughs> I'm grateful, giving all, just all glory and praise to Reverend Dr. Deborah Smith. Um, honored to work with her in the community and even all the more so to be here. This is certainly an honor. And when she called me the other day, she was like, do you know who you talk to? I said, this is the Deborah Smith. What do you mean do I? <laughs> Of course I know who I'm talking to. I want to um, read a different scripture. Is that okay? If I read, I, I, I want to do what God told me to do. So, Numbers 27. If it is in your custom to stand for the reading of the word, you can. If not, I am, I am perfectly okay. Numbers 27, verses 1 through 7. And I'm going to read from the New International Version. Numbers 27, verses 1 through 7, the word of God reads this way. The daughters of Zelophehad, son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Maker, the son of Manasseh, belonged to the clans of Manasseh, son of Joseph. The names of the daughters were Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Tirzah. They came forward and stood before Moses. Before Moses... Eleazar the priest, the leaders, and the whole assembly at the entrance to the tent of meeting and said, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no son. Somebody say, left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan because he had no sons? Give us property among our father's relatives. So Moses brought their case before the Lord, and the Lord said to him, what Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and give their father's inheritance to them and give their father's inheritance to them. 
God's title this morning is Daddy's Girls. Daddy's Girls. Daddy's Girls. Again, I am honored to be here. You know, I've been praying for you this week. I'm excited about what God is about to do. I heard her talking about the new name for the, for the women's men. There is something happening here, and I am excited about what God is about to do. I'm excited about what God is about to say in this moment because God's words are powerful. God's words are going to fill you. God's words are going to heal you. They're going to convict and comfort you. They're going to push you to your next level and help you fight the new devil. So whether you are here because somebody persuaded you to come or if you came expecting a miracle, whether you need some blessed assurance or some divine endurance, God's word is going to bless you. So let's get into the text. So in our text today, we're introduced to four daughters. We are introduced to daddy's girls. And they are facing some crucial circumstances. But before I get to their circumstances, let me tell you what's going on in the Bible during this time. So this text happens after the children of Israel have been set free from Egypt. And even after they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. So they left 40 years ago. They are headed to the promised land. Now they've made it right to the outskirts. And they are making preparations to enter the land. Has, has anybody been journeying in this season of your life? And you feel as if you are on the verge of God's promise. Amen. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm just trying to see if you're with me. <laughs> I'm just trying to see if you're with me. So if that's you, I need you to listen because I am talking to you. So Moses calls for a census. He calls for a census of all the families so that when they get into the land, they can give each family some land of their own so that everybody can get their inheritance, so that everybody can get their 40 acres and a mule. So now daddy's girls begin to realize that they'll probably get left out. See, because it is the custom in that time, it was the custom in that time that the inheritance that is given to a family has to come through the father. But as we just read, their father died in the wilderness. So then the next step is that the inheritance comes through the sons. Well, their father only had girls. So based on those repressive customs in an oppressive culture, daddy's girls were about to be passed over for their inheritance. They could not stand up and be counted. They were hidden figures and they were experiencing a refusal before the promise even got there. Before the blessing came, they were already cut out. They were already overlooked. They were already denied. They were already in a state of refusal, refusal, refusal. See, daddy's girls are in a state of refusal based on something they could not control. They are about to be denied their rightful inheritance because they are girls. Because that, that's the patriarchal custom in that society. They were living in a state of refusal because of the beliefs of the dominant culture. It wasn't their fault. They didn't refuse anything. Society had already refused their inheritance for them. Have you ever experienced refusal? See, as a woman preacher, let me just say this. It's Women's Day, so I get to, <laughs> let me just say this. As a woman preacher, I faced a lot of refusal. See, Dr. Smith didn't tell me it was going to be like this. She didn't, 
She didn't text me, she didn't inbox me, nothing. I face refusal of people hearing God's word through me. I remember one Sunday a man got his family and got up and walked out of the church at a church I was serving because he said he didn't listen to women preachers. The harder part was that one of the children he grabbed was a little girl. Refusal. I remember meeting, I remember, I, I pray he's not here. I remember meeting another preacher at a funeral. And when he got to the funeral, he kept asking, where's the preacher? He was talking to me. Where's the preacher? I finally said, sir, I am the preacher. He kind of looked at me and he turned and walked away and went to sit down. Then after I preached, he handed me his card talking about he wanted me to come down and preach at his church. Child, please, refuse <laughs> I've shown up at churches to preach only to be told when I got there that my pastor wants you to preach from the floor and not the pulpit. That's refusal. Refusal. See, sometimes society says no before we even get to ask the question. Sometimes it's a no because of our gender. But just because that's out how it has always been, that does not mean that's how it has to stay. You may have endured refusal on your jobs or refusal of respect or refusal for an equal salary, but God has done and is doing a new thing. You don't have to stay in the gender box that other people put you in. If God has placed a vision in you, if God has placed gifts in you, then you stay outside of the box and you color outside of the line. Don't let what people say keep you from your inheritance. Don't let what people say keep you from living the life that God has designed. Don't let what society says you shouldn't be able to do keep you from your blessing. If God says it's yours, it's yours. If God says it's yours, it's yours. If God says it's yours, it's yours. If God says you can do it, then you can do it. Once God speaks, the game changes. Once God speaks, you cannot be denied. You cannot be disqualified. You cannot be deprived. You cannot be disallowed. You cannot be disowned. You belong to your daddy. And if your daddy says yes, then it is so. It is so. These sisters in the text stood together. And they went to Moses to request what they felt was rightfully there. Somebody say request. Request. I'm sure that was out of the ordinary. But I can see them walking towards Moses at the tabernacle entrance where all of the leaders were assembled. You see, they had decided to step out on faith. Because that was the only way. They were going to be able to live the life that God had designed. That was the only way they would be able to live the life that God promised. I can see them holding hands or, or walking forward arm in arm because what they were about to do was unprecedented. And even though the song says, you know, we like to sing the song, you have to encourage yourself. God has not created you to do all things by yourself. You need a support Man. system. These, these sisters didn't vote and just send the oldest in. They, they didn't figure out which one was cutest and said, you go and see if they'll look, listen to you. They went together. They went together. They knew that there was strength in numbers. They went together. They knew that their strength was in the group and not in the individual. See, my sisters and my brothers, there is always strength in numbers. We've got to stop trying to do everything ourselves. 
Stop trying to help everybody by yourself. Then you got attitude. Won't nobody help you. You are not the Savior. You are not the Savior. You are not the Savior. Jesus already died, so why are you trying to kill yourself? You are not the Savior. <laughs> strength in numbers. There is strength in numbers. There is strength in churches coming together to stand for the community. There is strength in African Americans coming together to stand for economic empowerment. There is strength in you coming together with your church and with your accountability partners as you attempt to navigate this thing called life. And notice I said accountability partners, not just friends. Because you need people that will stand with you. You need people that will move with you. You need people that don't just cover for you. You need people that have the ability to cover you. You need a spiritual support system. You need people around you that will build your courage and increase your strength and give power to your voice. See, we hear a lot about finding your voice in this day, uh, day and age. See, voice is used as a metaphor for your sense of authority and your sense of your own power. There is power in your voice, but you won't speak. There is power in your voice, but you won't ask. You keep swallowing your power and you keep swallowing your prayers. You need to ask God for what God says you can have. That's where your faith comes in. When you step out on faith, that's where your faith comes in. Your blessings belong to you and you won't even ask. God has some things set up for you, but in this season, God is not dropping manna from heaven. God is not dropping your food from the sky. You have to open your mouth and ask when the opportunity presents itself. The Bible says make your request known to God. So why won't we make our request known? Why won't we ask? What is stopping us from asking? Fear, contentment, complacency, and entitlement. Fear, afraid to ask. Contentment, too satisfied to ask. Complacency, too comfortable to ask. Entitlement, I shouldn't even have to ask. Fear, contentment, complacency, and entitlement. See, we could have so much more if we would only ask. If we would stand on that faith, the faith that you're talking about stepping out on it, we would stand on that faith and ask, God wants more for you. God has more for you. If God promised it to you, you don't have to decide if you deserve it. Your father has an inheritance for you, and I need you to have the courage to ask for it. Somebody say, ask for it. In the text, daddy's girls went to Moses to ask for what was rightfully theirs. Do you know what's rightfully yours? Do you know what, better yet, if you knew who your daddy was, you know what belonged to you. See, there are some things in my life that I have access to because of who my daddy is. He was on the police force for over 30 years. I had and still have some access when I say I'm Bobby Todd's daughter. Some things, people start moving sometimes when I say I'm Bobby Todd's daughter. You need to know who your daddy is so that, you, so that you would know what you can have access to. Somebody say access. 
See, if you knew that he was Jehovah Jireh, God our provider, you would know that abundance belongs to you. If you knew that he was Jehovah Shalom, the God of your peace, you would know that sanity belongs to you. If you knew that he was Jehovah Rapha, God our healer, you would know that healing belongs to you. If you knew he was El Shaddai, God Almighty, you would realize that strength and power belong to you. If you knew he was Jehovah Roi, God our shepherd, you would know that protection belongs to you. If you knew he was Jehovah Nisi, God our victory banner, you would realize that victory belongs to you. Oh, you got to know who he is. You got to know what he's capable of. You got to know that he's El Elyon, the most high God, and that God's only begotten son said, whatever you ask in my name, my dad will do it for you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me slow down. Because, you know, we like the part of the Bible that says whatever you ask in my name. We like that. But we have to make sure that we are reading for comprehension and not just for compensation. If you read it for comprehension, you'll see that there is a restriction in the ask. There is a requirement that has to be fulfilled in the ask. If it's in God's name, it should be in God's will. So it's whatever you ask according to God's will. See, I don't want you to leave here telling people, Karen said, all I got to do is ask. And God's going to do it. Not ta-ta. No, no, no. God will do God's part. But you've got to do your part. Even when you're making requests from God, Certain restrictions apply. See, restrictions are the, are the things that, that you cannot do with what was promised to you. Or restrictions are the things that could disqualify you from receiving what was promised. Certain restrictions apply. So let me dig a little deeper right here for a minute because I, I can tell that you, you know how to make your request known. So I'm obligated to tell you about the restrictions. So even when you stand in the face of refusal and you boldly make your request, remember that sometimes there are restrictions. So I want to give you three things that you, that you shouldn't do and expect God to grant your request. Now, the big thing is sin. That's the umbrella. We know that, right? But I want to give you three specific things that could be blocking your blessings and restricting your requests. The first thing is doubt. Somebody say doubt. See, doubt is a feeling of uncertainty. It's a feeling of, of, of unsureness. It causes you to be indecisive. It causes you to hesitate. Doubt causes suspicion, and doubt leads to confusion. Doubt restricts your requests. Hebrew says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. The reward is given to those who believe and for those who seek. But listen, I know that life has hardened us. As my son would say, life be lifing. Life has hardened us. Disappointments and letdowns sometimes cause us to be cynical. So we often suffer for what, from what I call the doubt syndrome. When you suffer from the doubt syndrome, every day you start off strong. In the morning, you, but by the time you get back to bed, you have lost all your strength, all your hope. You go to bed wondering, child, I don't even know if he loves me. I just, I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm, uh, anybody on social media, anybody on Facebook, 
I pay attention to the people on Facebook. Not much attention, but a little bit. And this, this is what I found on the timeline of a doubter. In the morning, that post is, this is the day that the Lord has made. Strong. Scripture. All Jesus. By lunchtime, ooh, it just looked like God blessing everybody but me. I, don't. I mean, I'm trying to hold on. I, I hope God can hear me. By the time they leave work, ooh, I just don't know how I'm going to make it. I, ooh, God don't hear my prayers. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of praying for the same thing over and over. It ain't been 24 hours. Big Mama said y'all don't know how to tear. I, I'm tired of praying for the same thing. I'm, I'm going to have to make some phone calls. I'm going to have to do it on my own. Doubt syndrome. You talk yourself out of more blessings than God, than the enemy does. All your enemy does is plant a seed of doubt. You'll care for it, water it, fertilize it, <laughs> and own it until it's a concrete reason why you should not believe what God said. You doubt opportunity. You doubt blessings. You doubt people. You doubt God. But when you believe, that's when you'll receive. So that first thing is doubt. The second thing that blocks your blessings or restricts your request is unforgiveness. Forgiving someone doesn't mean they were right for what they did. Forgiving someone means you're right for what you are doing. And it gives you the right to move from your past. God, God can't give you future blessings and you've got a past mentality. You can't see what God is doing for you for staring at what they did to you. When you release it, you'll receive it. When you release hurt, you'll receive healing. When you release unforgiveness, you'll receive the blessing. The, the best description I ever heard for unforgiveness was unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and waiting on your enemy to die of smoke inhalation. Just let it sit on you. Restrict, she says, say, yes, ma'am. Unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and waiting on your enemy to die of smoke inhalation. You are restricting your request. You are restricting with doubt. You are restricting with unforgiveness. And you are also restricting it with disobedience. Obedience means to hear God's word and act accordingly. We got the hear part. It's the act accordingly that keeps tripping us up. Because sometimes what God wants does not match the brilliant plan that we came up with. Disobedience, hear me, disobedience comes from a discontent with our position or our portion. It comes from a discontent with where we are or what we have. It comes from craving something which God in his infinite wisdom has held from us. See, God knows the things that we don't. That's why God gives us guidelines. Don't let the guidelines question daddy's love for his girls. We always hear that obedience is better than sacrifice. I remember my godmother, Joyce Pope, saying in Sunday school, if you're obedient, you don't have to sacrifice. Obedience opens the pathway to your blessings. Obedience lets God know that you are submitted to him and that you trust him. So we decree and declare by faith that we will overcome doubt. We will overcome unforgiveness. We will overcome disobedience because if you move past the restriction, you'll get to the reward. You'll get to the reward. See, the women in the text had the faith to move past the restrictions. The law said they couldn't inherit it, but they came forward to ask anyway. They stepped out on faith. They even asked, hear me, they even asked for their inheritance before they got to the promised land. See, they wanted to be clear 
that when we take possession of the land, we want the portion that our daddy would have wanted us to have. See, that's faith. They never doubted the ultimate victory. They never doubted that God would do what God said God would do. They looked beyond the warfare to the victory. My sisters and my brothers, that's the confidence that we have to have. We have to look beyond the storm to see the sun shining again. And whatever you're going through right now, the sun will shine again. Daddy's girls have a right to this type of confidence. As, as children of God, we have the right to this type of confidence. All you have to do is attach faith to your request. We can look forward with complete assurance that victory is already won. Victory is already ours. Victory is already yours. The scripture says when we take possession, they didn't say Moses just in case we win. They didn't say Moses if we win. They didn't see, and because they didn't say it, you should stop saying it. It's time for you to stop living in if and start living in when. Start living in when. When I write the book, when I go back to school, when I get married, when God does it, when God shows up, when God makes a way, when God delivers me, when God moves the mountain, when God opens the door, after you come out of refusal. After you make your request, after you remove the restrictions, then you receive God's reward. Then you receive your inheritance. You get what daddy promised. See, after daddy's girls made the request to Moses, God told Moses, the daughters are right in their request. The inheritance of the father will pass on to them. God said, the daughters are right. The women are right. They are rightful heirs to God's inheritance. It's time for the daughters and sons of God to access the inheritance that God has for us. Touch your heart and say, it's time for me to access my inheritance. It's time for me to access my inheritance. See, the Bible says I can have it. Prayer says I claim it. Faith says I receive it. God says it's mine. The Bible says I can have it. Prayer says I claim it. Faith says I receive it. And God says it's mine. See, society cannot refuse you because the Bible says I can have it. Prayer says I claim it. Faith says I receive it. And God says it's mine. Man cannot deny you because the Bible says I can have it. Prayer says I claim it. Faith says I receive it. And God says it's mine. The enemy cannot block you. It does not matter what people spoke over you because the Bible says you can have it. Prayer says you can claim it. Faith says you receive it, and God says it's mine. You don't have to settle for less than what God has for you. Stop living beneath the value that God has for you. I can have it. I claim it. I receive it. It's mine. I can have it. I claim it. I receive it. It's mine. I can have it. I claim it. I receive it. Deliverance, I can have it. Breakthrough, I claim it. Favor, I receive it. Confidence is mine. Strength is mine. Success is mine. Victory is mine. Healing is mine. You serve a big God that can reverse the refusal. You serve a great God that can hear your request. You serve a mighty God that can walk you through the restrictions. You serve a loving God that will reward you with his grace and his mercy. God still has a plan for you. God still has purpose for you. God still has promises. God still has a reward for your faithfulness. Don't give up in the process. Don't give up on your, be not weary in well-doing. 
Because you'll reap a harvest if you faint not. You'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. The Bible says I can have it. Prayer says I claim it. Faith says I receive it. God says it's mine. Give God praise if you believe it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.